Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hallo und welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga Podcast. I'm your host Manuel Feed. And as always, joined by Stefan Bianchowski. Stefan, how's it going? How's your weekend been? Yeah, yeah, good. I'm feeling the brunt of it, unfortunately, uh, for two reasons. Uh, I had some friends come to stay, drank far too much beer. Um, it's it, We're in the middle of like this some sort... Well, this is basically our summer in Scotland, which we routinely joke about lasts about six days before <laughs> autumn's just around the corner. Um, so I found myself in a beer garden for most of Saturday, drank too much beer, uh, and... So on the one thing, so I'm currently dealing with a two-day hangover, which is not great, but also um, just walking the dog. It's just that time of year where there are flies everywhere. Uh, and in this part of Scotland, we have these things called midges, which I'm sure if any of our listeners have ever traveled to Scotland or indeed live in Scotland, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Like these tiny little, flies. They're like tiny little mosquitoes, basically. Yeah. Uh, and I was joking on Twitter this morning saying how... Uh, you know, my Polish blood just cannot deal with these things because, you know, it's just just evolutionarily, like, my, my, my makeup just has never came into contact with these things. I'm probably quite good with mosquitoes in Poland, but in Scotland, I'm terrible. So I woke up with, like, 20 bites in these things and I've just been applying cream to myself all day, so... You know what my superpower is, Stefan? What's that? I've never been bitten by a mosquito. You've never been bitten? Mm-mm. That's bizarre. You need to come yeah. to Scotland and see how you fare against the midges. No, I've, I've been to the prairies in, in Canada where they have something called black flies. I've been camping there with my cousin. We had 125 bites on one leg alone over one night and me zero. Don't like <laughs> me. It's my superpower. I, I hear people complain about mosquitoes all the time, including my wife. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> I cannot relate. Do you know what? I, and, and that might be your superpower, but I absolutely despise when people talk about that. It drives, it drives me insane. Oh, I just don't get bitten. Yeah, well, why don't you go jump off a cliff? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what it feels like to get bitten by mosquitoes? Jumping no, off a cliff? No, no, no. I mean, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think midges are as bad as mosquitoes. They're definitely not. They don't carry disease or anything for a start. Um, Interesting. But, um, yeah. So I'm just feeling very sorry for myself today. <laughs> yeah, we have nasty mosquitoes. Not so much on the coast where we live, but once you get further inland and then in the interior, um, they not only have mosquitoes, but also black flies. And I've seen them take junk of uh, meat out of people's arms. Very nasty little creatures. No one wants to live there, to be honest with you. Like, um, I don't understand why these places have ever been colonized. It's too cold in the winter and in the summer you get beaten by animals. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> enough of black flies, mosquitoes and uh, midges. Um, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll have an interesting announcement, great announcement to make for, for our listeners. And before we do that, we'll just jump right into the break and then uh, into, into the announcement. <laughs> This episode of the Game Pressing Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. 
Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, sports, developing including NBA Summer League, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use your promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, BELIEVE, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online, where the game starts. So yeah, Stefan, um, the two of us have come together hmm. and... And then we're going to have a newsletter as part of, I guess, as part of the podcast, the Game Pressing Newsletter, right? Mm. And as this is your creation, baby, I let you talk and introduce it, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, it's just we've been thinking about it for a while, what we want to do with the show and how we want to take it forward. And I think a lot of, we've, had, we've also been thinking a lot about what we, where we want to go with the podcast. Um, and I think just from all the support we've had from people over the summer, because we've obviously made a decision to keep going through the off-season, and just from having so many lovely comments from people saying how much they appreciate us still going, and, you know, we obviously look at the numbers every week. We see more, more and more people signing up, more and more people listening to the show. Uh, all your lovely feedback is appreciated, the reviews as well. So we just kind of had a good think about things, and we thought, well, why don't we just kind of see... If we could, if there's more we can make out of this, if there's more we can offer back in terms of content, and I think the interesting thing for us is that as two guys who cover the Bundesliga, but are also kind of you know professional journalists overall, not just covering the Bundesliga. Like obviously, you do a lot of MLS stuff. Uh, I cover now quite a lot of UK football for the transfer marks. I think from our own experiences, we've realised that it's actually really difficult to actually. Well, what we would call the industry to pitch stories to traditional publications and media uh, in the UK and the US um, because German football is still very much a niche subject. Um, you know, it's difficult to ask, it's, it's difficult to write something about, say, you know, Freiburg or Mainz or mm. even Schalke um, for really anyone now these days. Um, people are only interested in Bayern Munich, sometimes interested in Borussia Dortmund, but more often not, the intrigue only goes as far as you know transfer stories and whether Man United or Chelsea or whoever are trying to sign the next wonder kid. So we've kind of thought, well, why don't we kind of put together our own little space on the web where we can go in a bit more in-depth, we can talk about features, we can do interviews with players and coaches who perhaps wouldn't get their names on the back pages of the Washington Post or the New York Times or the Guardian or the Telegraph or whatever else. Um, and just really try and expand our coverage of German football. We, we love what we do in the podcast. Um, we've been given the impression that you guys like it too. Um, so we decided to put together a Substack newsletter. Um, and as part of that, Manu and I will be writing one newsletter every week. Uh, as things stand, I'll do mine on Tuesday mornings. Manu do his on Thursday mornings. But, you know, that might twist and shake depending on who's got what coming up, holidays, or I'm getting married in a couple of months, so I'll probably have to take a week off for that, for example. Um, and we'll also be doing a bonus podcast every Wednesday too. So I think we've we've set the subscription price at $5. Um, we think that's pretty reasonable per month. 
Um, and with that, and with that five dollars, you get both newsletters. You get the bonus podcast, which is ad free, and you'll also get this newsletter ad uh, this newsletter this podcast ad free. Uh, you'll be able to sign up to a specific subscriber uh, RSS feed through Substack, which will then. Uh, once you click on it, it will then take you through your normal podcast provider. So you won't have to listen on the web browser or anything like that. You can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you guys usually do. Um, and yeah, we just we just think it's something that we can. It, it's just it's just a vehicle for us to kind of really stretch, you know, our, our creative muscles and kind of really dig into really interesting stories in German football that we don't think are covered elsewhere. Uh, it offers hopefully more content which you guys will enjoy and I think above all else it also offers an opportunity for listeners to maybe support us a bit as well mm. and keep things going well and yeah we're just going to see where it takes us yeah I, th I think that's you're touching on a few points there that I think are really important um, I mean first of all this podcast will still be available with the ads um, through whoever you listen to so um, obviously we want you to sign up, but if you don't or can't, um, we, we understand, um, you're still going to get this content. Um, and I think for, for me personally, um, there's a lot of topics that I want to cover every week. And if you put them on Transfermarkt or Forbes, the amount of people reading it is not worth having it on that outlet. And that's unfortunate. That's just how the media landscape works. And, um, you know, a lot of a lot of the more intriguing stories oftentimes don't, are not rated well by search engines or um, the mass appeal of of the, of the big audiences, um, which means that you know, without a paywall, it's not really worth covering it. And I guess that's just the reality of of what the place that we are operating in, right? So I think, and I, you say that, Stefan, um, creatively, I'm really looking forward to just do stuff on some of the other teams that usually don't get the coverage. Mm. Um, or some of the smaller players. Like I, I, have, an, I have an article idea already for, for my first one. And um, that would not do well on any of the official outlets, right? So... Mm. Um, that doesn't mean we're, we're still going to do the big teams. Um, I think we have a really good podcast idea for our first podcast that's behind the paywall. And I think that a lot of people will find intriguing, right? Mm. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for example, we can probably give a little sneak, like a few hints here. Like, for example, my newsletter this week will be on, you know, Mainz's kind of Jekyll and Hyde home and away form last season. Uh, after I spoke to Bo Svensson about it, the Mainz head coach, uh, I got his opinion on the matter. I've dug into some stats. Um, so I'm hoping that's a kind of really in-depth piece that really diehard German football fans will appreciate, but it's obviously something that no news editor in England or America would really take much interest in. Um, and, of course, you've also got some big news as well about what you're wanting to be putting in the newsletter this summer as well. Yeah, so um, I'm going to do my first piece on Matthias Tell, the young Stadrin. Uh, for what the Bayern are going to sign. And then obviously, I think we're doing the, the first show on Harry Kane and what he could add to Bayern if he would ever sign, um, uh, what kind of profile it is. And then, of course, next week on Sunday, I'm going on the Bayern US tour and um, cover, cover the team for a full week and travel with them uh, first to DC, to Washington, and then to Green Bay, 
um, they're playing DC United. We've mm. just, we were on the verge, by the time this comes out, probably half announced Wayne Rooney as the new head coach, Stefan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's going to be some intriguing transfer mark content coming your way as well. <laughs> um, and then, of course, they're going to play uh, Manchester City Lambeau Field in Green Bay. And I'm actually enormously looking forward to that because that's a stadium that I've always wanted to see, but I'm not the biggest American football fan. And um, so I get to see it covering Bayern Munich, which is obviously something that I've done. I've covered Bayern Munich for a long time now, and I'm really intrigued uh, to see that stadium because I think it's 85,000 seats, Stefan. Um, It's one of those enormous American football stadiums, and I cannot wait to cover a soccer game there. Yeah, that'd be incredible. And it just offers this. So we're hoping we can kind of offer that kind of literally on the ground insight uh, into things that maybe don't get picked up as much, interviews. Uh, and there's also other aspects of the Substack, which I think fans will really like. So Substack do this feature called um, Thread Discussions, which obviously are exactly what they sound like, where unlike an article we just kept we would launch this kind of thread on the Substack, and then subscribe subscribers could jump in and we could talk to them in real time so for example mm-hmm. if Matthias delict signs for for bar munich we can start our theme a thread rather uh, and we can have a good chat with our subscribers about things talk back and forth um pose questions that we could try and go and look into and answer on the future podcasts and things as well so it's just also a really fun way to maybe kind of get talk more and more to subscribers. I know uh, you guys do reach out to me every week. I get DMs on Instagram. I get uh, DMs on Twitter and everything, even Facebook from people talking about the podcast and even suggesting stuff. We get suggestions every single week about mm-hmm. what to do on the show. So we, we always really appreciate the feedback. We're hoping we can kind of use these threads on Substack to really build up that kind of relationship as well. Yeah. No, it's going to be exciting. Um, don't worry, we have an actual podcast now coming. <laughs> now that we have the interest, a really exciting uh, announcement out of the way. Um, Stefan, we're going to do Dortmund this week, or sure. this in this show. Um, we're still going to have a second podcast coming later this week, and it's going to be on Matthias de Licht, um, because if we do it now, then it will be out of out of date the moment we publish it because I think things are developing really quickly. So if you're waiting for Matthias De Licht news, our decision when we started to re- record this podcast was that Hassan Salihamidzic is now in Turin uh, to talk to Juventus directly. I think everyone knows what the other side wants. Matthias De Licht only wants Bayern Munich. So I think these negotiations are going to progress in such a speedily matter that if we record something on what he can add and whether it's going to happen and all that kind of stuff, this show will be out of date so quickly that there's no point. So once that deal is done, don't worry, you're getting a podcast on it. Uh, so stay tuned, please. But yeah, we want to talk about Dortmund because they finally signed their Erling Haaland replacement, Stefan. And um, this isn't exactly breaking news either with Sebastian Haller finally joining Dortmund. There's been a lot of talk on why it took so long. And the, the answer to that is quite simple. Ajax Amsterdam um, is a club listed on the Dutch stock exchange. So similar to Dortmund, they had to make an ad hoc statement that um, the transfer was done, right? Mm. And um, they wanted the transfer to fall into the new fiscal year. So 
um, essentially into their new business years so it had something to do with tax reasons. And this is why the announcement was delayed, right? Mm. They wanted the finances to go through later. Um, I had someone mention in my comments that, well, it's the same calendar year, but you can actually set your fiscal year at any point you want. You can start your fiscal year in July 1st and end it the next year, July 1st, right? Fiscal years are not calendar years. Um, yeah, so that's that's that. It's done. Uh, Sebastian Halle now officially in black and yellow. What, what did you make of, of this deal? Yeah, like you said, it wasn't really breaking news. I mean, we, we, we did talk about doing like a kind of breaking news podcast when it happened late last week. I and mean, like everyone knew it was coming for about two months. So no one's kind of scrabbling around looking for hot takes on it. Uh, but I'm, I'm really impressed with it, I must admit. I've kind of said in the pod, podcast before about how it's a kind of departure for Dortmund in a sense that they've gone out and signed a really ready-made player. And look, I know Dortmund have signed senior players in the past, you know, usually fullbacks, usually haven't really worked out. Uh, obviously, Mats Hummels was signed as well a few years ago. He's a little different, obviously, because he's a former player. Um, but Haller kind of comes in, to me, as a kind of real sign of intent from Sebastian Kehl saying, look, this is a new Dortmund. We're going to do things a little differently here. Uh, mm-hmm. And that seems to me like they're saying, we will continue to scout these young, exciting players um, who we might end up selling to Man United for 150 million euros in a few years' time, etc., etc. But we're also going to sign players who are already ripping it up in the Champions League, players who have already got Bundesliga experience, uh, and players who've came to Dortmund with the clear intention of winning trophies. You know, um, Sebastian Haller hasn't made the move to Dortmund in the hope that Bayern Munich will sign him next year, for example. You know, he's made the move there because he wants to win titles. And if I was a Dortmund fan, I'd, I really would be going through, I'd be doing cartwheels um, just because I think he's an excellent player. But more than that, it, it says to me that the club are kind of finally beginning to understand the frustration that Dortmund fans have had for quite some time now that they're not a feeder club for the Premier League. They should be up there. They should be up there buying players who want to win things. Not to say that obviously Jaden Sancho or Erling Haaland or Christian Pulisic, however, didn't want to win trophies. Of course they did, but these guys didn't have the kind of maybe. Um, well, I don't know the best way. I was going to say maybe they didn't have the kind of maturity. I don't think that's fair either. But mm-hmm. there wasn't an ex- expectation when they arrived at Dortmund that they were here to win trophies. They may say in interviews that they were, but really it was developing and move on. I think in Sebastian Haller, I think in Nicolas Sula, um, you know, they've got some really good players there who are there for the long term, who, are, who, are, who probably think my best years are to come and they'll be at Dortmund. So let's make the most of it. Yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the on the head there. Um, Sule is the other one, right? That really stands out, and um, it's interesting. I mean, once again, Dortmund have spent a lot of money. Um, we have this transfer expenditure ranking on on Transfermarkt. It's on the on the US side. I'm not sure it's on the .co.uk side as well. Um, I mean, obviously, we do use different widgets for different for different sites. But when you look at the teams that have spent the most money this year. The top four are obviously Premier League teams. <laughs> Man City, Leeds, Arsenal and uh, Tottenham. And then right after that, it's Dortmund. Mm. Um, they have invested a lot of money, right? With Sebastian Haller and um, coming in. Sule obviously was a free transfer. 
Um, but it seems it seems like there is definitely some intent. Kaomi Adeyemi as well, Schlotterberg, right? Um, Adeyemi comes in at 30 million, Schlotterberg at 20. Uh, you can't forget Sally Özkan, uh, Matthias Sommer, the consultant and 1996 European uh, champion with Germany. And uh, I think he was the world footballer of the year as well that year, 1996. Um, he was a fantastic player. He's one of the last liberals. Um, and he's obviously, he's worked with Bayern Munich and, and a sporting director, a squad consultant role. And now he's with Borussia Dortmund. He gave a really interesting interview about how this transfer window was really kind of a way for them to set. Um, and he didn't use the word when he was asked about them finally challenging Bayern. He was actually really careful of pointing out that Dortmund have to go away from always trying to challenge Bayern, but rather go their own path. Because when you go on your own path and you bring your own character and your your own mentality to the table, you're actually ending up more likely to get results and uh, have success rather than weighing yourself with this expectation that you're finally going to end Bayern Munich's era, right? Which I actually mm. thought was a really important thing to point out. But at the end of the day, um, they have all these pieces are pretty important and Hilaire is, is the final piece here for me. And this, of course, also goes back to, to what they have done last year. I mean, we have to remember Daniel Marlin is still at the club. Um, and Jamie Benegiddens, a young, talented player, is coming up through the system. And um, Giovanni Reyna, there was a rumor that he might go to get loaned out to, to Rangers. Um, I got a huge assist from you uh, on that news. And then I was able to <laughs> clarify that that's not going to happen. <laughs> And then you had to mute Twitter for three days. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and uh, then Sport 1, of course, also ran it. Um, yeah, but so he's also still there. And I think the reason I'm mentioning all these guys is because there is an interesting stat that Sebastian Haller has scored all his goals within, I think it was eight meters of the goal, Stefan. Mm -hmm. Which, of course... That's a classic finisher for you. And he does a, he does a lot of other things that are important for Dortmund um, on the field rather than scoring goals. And you saw that when when he when he played for Frankfurt as well, right? I, oftentimes he created the room for other people to score. Hmm. I think this is also an aspect that is really, really important to point out because I know there were some voices in the Netherlands that were, what are Dortmund doing with this guy? Like, thank you for giving us 40 million euros. Hmm. Um and I, there's two things. I lived in Amsterdam and I followed Ajax very closely at the time. And this is a club where the fans boot Zlatan Ibrahimovic. <laughs> 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 the, the expectations of what a forward has to be are very, very high, right? Because obviously everyone has to be Marco van Basten. Uh, Sebastian Haller is not Marco van Basten. And uh, he doesn't have to be. He has to be the guy that makes room for the guys like Daniel Marl, like Karim Adeyemi. Uh, Yusufu Mokuku, who I think under Tessic is going to play a much bigger role. Torgen Hazard, Marco Reus, Giovanni Reyna, all these guys are going to be playing around Sebastian Haller. And when, when they miss a chance, he will be there to kind of finish it off, right? Yeah. Um, so he's he's a puzzle piece player. Is that a, does that make sense to you, what, what I mean with that? Like he's kind of the final piece in the puzzle to make this team less reliant on one guy. 
Yeah, it does. And, you know, it's really interesting when you kind of look at that Dortmund attacking line for a number of reasons, because obviously you've got Haller in there who, let's be honest, he is basically the Haaland replacement for lack of a better word, not because he's as good as Haaland or he scores many goals as Haaland, but he will literally take up the space that Haaland played last season. Um, and although I wouldn't really call Haaland a poacher uh, or like a box player, he's maybe a, more of a complete forward, the way that Dortmund played with him last year was just so direct that he basically did play almost like a target man slash poacher. Um, so Haller will basically be able to play that role. But because there's maybe less expectation on Haller to be that complete pair, or maybe not expectation, but there isn't the same kind of gravitational pull that Haaland had on the pitch. Um, because, you know, I mean, last season, Dortmund were basically walking onto the pitch and expecting Haaland to have answers to questions they haven't even figured out to ask mm. yet. You know, that's just how direct they were with Haaland last season. But this season, you can really foresee a situation where Haller's at number nine, he's a box player, but they have guys like Adeyemi um, playing off him. Um, obviously, Adeyemi's a very different type of player. You know, when he first came in as well, no one really thought this guy's going to be the number nine next season. He's not going to be the Haaland replacement. Um, but you can now see, obviously, how Adeyemi is going to play off him. And another player who I think must be probably looking at the way this team's been put together and thinking, actually, this is quite good for me, is Daniel Malin. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I, I think the way that Dortmund, you know, I guess I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think the best way to explain this, but the way that Dortmund was so direct with Haaland last season is they basically bypassed the midfield for much of the season. Um they really didn't get the most out of attacking midfielders at all. Julian Brandt had a very poor season. Marius Wolf, Torgan Hazard. Gio Reyna obviously was injured, unfortunately. Marco Royce is probably the only one who really came out with any pass marks, and that's because he obviously built up a very good kind of chemistry with Haaland, uh, and he was able to play off him. Um, and you can kind of see now going into this new season, things will be a bit more relaxed in terms of the build-up play. It won't be as direct. And as a result, you can really see guys like Adeyemi and Daniel Malin maybe getting more on the ball, more involved, um, and potentially, obviously, being very good in terms of scoring goals and creating assists. I think that's already expected of Adeyemi, but I think it'd be really interesting to see if Malin can kind of bounce back next season because, unlike last season, he'll be playing in a team that actually has some sort of structure to how it attacks and has some mm-hmm. sort of structure to how they want to score goals. And he won't just be chasing long balls or shadows for the rest of the season like he did last year. So that really intrigues me in terms of, I know that's not really the same as talking about strike forward players. It's not just a case of, you know, the new guys coming in being good, but it might also be a case of the new guys coming in will actually get more out of the players who didn't perform as well last season. Um, And that'll be really interesting to see as well from an attacking point of view. Yeah, I think this was another aspect about the Matthias Summer interview and kicker that this is about the separation from Marco Rose that he said we need to look beyond the results when it comes to the the go the club going separate ways with the head coach and I think what he means with that is that there wasn't a clear handwriting or um, in place of what the club was going to be and I know they have been chasing that ever since Jurgen Klopp left right this is the eternal search for Jurgen Klopp's successor. And I think Eden Tesic now has been given all the puzzle pieces to put together 
to play in a way that Dortmund's board, but also the fans expect him to play, right? right? And this is what I mean with Haller being that final puzzle piece. But I think there's a lot of really interesting, intriguing things going on because he's gotten a lot of pieces now, Stefan. I mean, he has to fit in Adeyemi someone. And he's listed as a center forward, and he isn't really quite a center forward. He can play there, sure. He can occupy that space, but he's not a full-on number nine. And the same we can say pretty much about Daniel Malen, right? But I can envision a place where Daniel Malen and Adeyemi play together with Sebastian Haller up front. And you get the same sort of uh, synergy that you had in Frankfurt with Haller and uh, Rebic and Jukic, mm. right? Which is obviously was very successful. We, we, we look at the current iteration of Eintracht Frankfurt and um, obviously they won the Europa League, totally forgetting that the, the reiteration of Eintracht Frankfurt just before that was only one penalty kick away from actually reaching the Europa League final too and probably would have won it against Arsenal. Um, right, so this this is he was part of a very very successful Eintracht Frankfurt side before that, and I think it's also around that time that Dortmund probably noticed him and they're the, the signing the Eintracht Frankfurt Sebastian Haller, right? Mm. And I think if you kind of create that, you, you can recreate that sort of synergy. And while that Frankfurt side was really good, it wasn't as good in the other parts of the squad as this team right you don't have a Schlotterpeck in defense at Frankfurt you don't have a Niklas Süle uh, even Mats Hummels who is probably going to fight have to fight really hard this year to actually have a spot right in the squad mm. then you have a midfield you have uh, Salih Özkan who actually I think that's one of those underrated signings who, who you look at him and say okay well this I don't know who this guy is and then he actually comes in and he will, will do a lot of the stuff that they haven't had since Delaney left. Mm. And that's a really important puzzle piece. And then puzzle piece. And then we forget this. Jude Bellingham is still on this team. <laughs> Despite all the crazy transfer rumors out there that he maybe could still leave this summer. Uh, you can put all of those to bed. Jude Bellingham isn't going anywhere this summer. But we have to remember he's still there. And he's a year older. And he's more experienced. And he's already taking on quite a strong leadership role in this club. This is a really good squad. And it's yeah. just about putting it all together now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I mean I think there's still maybe some work to be done in the sense that, you know, the fullback positions still look quite weak. Mm. Rafael Guerrero seems to be linked with moves away, Nico Schultz possibly too. Um, you know, I still think there's maybe stuff that needs to be worked on there. But in terms of like I said at the top of the show, in terms of like a sign of intent, the Dortmund are really wanting to push for things. It's it, it seems clear to me that they're obviously they've obviously decided, you know, let's really go for it this year. Um, if I was Marco Rosa and I'd sit and read my newspaper every Sunday looking at these deals going through, I'd probably be pulling my hair out because you'd obviously be wondering where all this money was last summer. But hey ho, that's football. But you're right, it's, and it's really interesting actually what you mentioned about Matthias Sommer and his comments about not chasing Bayern um, to kind of still get ahead, and it actually chimes quite a lot with. Um, I was reading an interview with the Bayer Leverkusen CEO, Fernando Caro, who did an interview with Sky Sports Germany over the weekend. And the thing that really stood out to me was him saying, yeah, we want to be a top four team in the Bundesliga, but more than that, we want to be a top 16 team in Europe. And mm -hmm. I remember thinking, like, well, that's actually really ambitious for 
really any Bundesliga club except for maybe Bayern. If you consider that Dortmund have seriously struggled over the last five or six years to even get out of the group more often than not, and even if they do, I mean, I know they obviously had the, the occasional run to the quarterfinals or whatever else, but consistency consistently is just a really t- difficult task to ask for. So, but I thought it was really interesting that that's obviously how Leverkusen look at it too. And it's actually quite a healthy way to look at it. Leverkusen, to kind of get to the next level, don't actually have to beat Bayern. They just have to put together a squad that can finish in the top four consistently, can hold its own in the Champions League. And then and then at that point, if they can kind of maintain that level, the, the ability to challenge Bayern Munich will come along on its own. And Dortmund are in the exact same boat in that sense. You know, they have to sort their own house out. They have to... You know, they've obviously managed to finish in the top four plenty of times this season. Last six, last season, it wasn't very hard to finish second, despite everything that was going on, going on at the club. But they've got a lot of work to do to kind of rebuild their reputation in Europe, in my opinion. Because it's been a long mm-hmm. time since Dortmund were serious big haters in the Champions League. Um, and that's the kind of thing that you can see there's so much room for improvement above and beyond how many points they finish behind Bayern next season. Because... You know, the, 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 the narrative around Dortmund would be entirely different if they were losing the Bundesliga every title every season, but they were pushing for the semi-finals in the Champions League every year, you yeah. know? And that's really what Dortmund should be doing. I'm not saying they should be, you know, manhandling Chelsea or Manchester City or PSG out of the transfer window and outbidding them for players, of course not. But they are still one of the top 10, top 15 clubs in the world in terms of revenue. So this summer we're seeing from is is really what they should be doing every year, and uh, well, just I guess it just comes down to whether they've got the head coach in place to kind of put all these pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah, you have to put the horse before the cart, right? Um, before you <laughs> exactly. do anything else, um, and that that statement is true for a couple of things. First, you need the right head coach, but I like what you bring up with Bayer Leverkusen. Um, I think it's it's much smarter to say, okay, well, we want to be a top 16, top 10 team in Europe because let's say three or four Bundesliga teams do that rather than saying, oh, we want to chase Bayern. We're one of the top three teams in, in Europe, right? Where I mean, they're just a giant. But the thing is, if you have more Bundesliga teams saying, oh, we want to be consistently good in Europe, then eventually there's going to be enough challenge for Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga that one of, one of the other teams, whether it's Leverkusen, Dortmund or Leipzig, are just going to beat them to the title because they have lost enough games to these other big teams. Mm. See what I mean? Yeah. Right. So it's, it's almost actually smarter to say we have to stop this goose chase to try to beat Bayern, but rather just ensure that we're actually a strong club in Europe because that automatically will mean that eventually we're going to beat Bayern anyways. It's, it's, it's like actually a much better and more healthy way to reach your targets in some ways, right? To have that ambition to set a realistic goal within Europe. And I mean, other than Bayern Munich and Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga has really struggled in Europe. Mm. And that includes, as you said, Dortmund, but it also includes someone like Leverkusen. And for some odd reason, Bayern have had, I mean, Bayern always had this mentality going all the way to, to the 70s that they have always been the team that represented the Bundesliga well in Europe. Recently, Frankfurt has been of all places, Frankfurt have been a place that have done a great job of representing the Bundesliga in Europe because they always went deep in the European competition and actually ended up winning a title, right? 
And that's really important. Mm. So if you are Leverkusen and you fall to the Europa League for whatever reason, because you have a tough Champions League group, you need to be the team to win, win the thing, right? Because mm. that that kind of ambition then leads to players saying, well, we have we had Mario Götze join Eintracht Frankfurt because he's like, oh, I can win something there, right? And uh, this is what happened, needs to happen at Dortmund. It needs to not always be the Bundesliga title, but you can have to be able to say, oh, maybe we're going to win something in Europe. Sometimes that's easier. Yeah. But Real Madrid, when they when Barca dominated La Liga a few years ago, they won what like four, three out of four Champions League titles. Mm. And oh. you can even you can even maybe use Atletico Madrid as an example to that too. Yeah. They built a team that obviously got to Champions League finals um, when they were nowhere near winning the league, and then obviously last season they stepped in when Real Madrid and Barcelona yeah. um, stumbled. Not last season, yeah. obviously the season before, technically. Um, and so Atletico has a smaller right, budget the, than than most Bundesliga teams. Yeah, and it's, so there's certainly something to be said for building a team that can compete in Europe and just letting everything else fall into place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like again, it, it, that success leads to success domestically. It's it's an interesting one, and I think um, Dortmund are going to be very fascinating to watch this year because. We have on this show, obviously, focused quite a bit on Bayern. We have focused um, quite a bit on Leipzig as well, because right for some odd reason, they seem almost like the more natural challenger to Bayern Munich at the moment. Um, and so Dortmund have been, I think that's actually almost a good place to be for Dortmund. Because the other day, I went through the transfers and I'm like, well, yeah, Leipzig are going to be very strong this year. Maybe they're going to beat Bayern. And then I looked at Dortmund and I'm like, oh, I completely forgot that they also signed Karim Adeyemi. Oh, man, yeah, they also got Schlotterbeck and Süle. It's like, oh, man, they're, actually, they're going to be very good this year if they put it all together. Mm. Well, that's the, that's the golden question, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the but question that will decide whether they uh, finish the season with a over-the-top salad bowl or not. Yeah, I mean, every, I I'm, I know it's for a lot of people that watch the Bundesliga, they're very frustrated by Bayern's dominance. Unless you're a Bayern fan, there's lots of people that support Bayern Munich and um, they're just loving this. And I think this is something that people have to remember too. There is a club that really loves winning titles and they would be just elated to make it 12 in a row or 13 in a row or 14 in a row you know they would have no problem with that whatsoever and if they can get a couple of champions league titles on the road yeah they'll do that too and that's what that's who you need to beat you need to beat a team absolutely addicted to winning titles um and that's difficult and a lot of people around out there enjoy it being this title hamster um so fair enough i i wanna i just want to acknowledge that these people exist and we 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 have I have absolutely no problem with that. If you're a Bayern Munich fan, you want to, you love winning titles every year. Good for you, and um, that's it, that's really what it comes down to. Someone else has to has to challenge that, and it has to come naturally. It can't be just Bayern Munich saying, "Oh yeah, we're going to give up a Bundesliga title." They never ever do that. They will never do that. Um, so for Dortmund, this is this is all about putting it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a final thought, but it kind of elated me now. <laughs> <laughs> We'll save it for the bonus podcast on Wednesday. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, yeah, I think this is this is our our Dortmund show wrapped up. Um, as always, this podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, and we're going to have a bonus show back, and then of course, when once Matthias de Licht is uh, announced, because I think he will be announced um, at some point soon, we're gonna come back with you, and I think we're gonna maybe also uh, Lewandowski, Stefan, they want to wrap up too before they mm. go to the US. Um, so going very quickly. Good thing we've got a website for it now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the next five days are key. Uh, keep your eye out on that. And as for Dortmund, I think um, my final thought was this. Um, they're probably going to... They're trying to get rid of Rafael Guerrero, Stefan, uh, to make room to sign David Raum. Mm. That's, the one, that's the one last piece, I think, that they're looking to... That, that that would be quite something that really would be quite something because he's he's not going to be cheap i think yeah yeah so, i guess we'll see anyways that's that's it from us from this show uh, i hope you enjoy the newsletter i hope you enjoy this podcast uh please give us a good uh, review on this podcast as well if you have the chance uh five star ratings are always appreciated and Thank you so much as always for listening and we'll be back with another show very soon until then Auf Wiedersehen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.